one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the Inner Sanctum. If you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you normally listen to Rule the Roost podcast, this is a little taster of one of the delights you'll get behind the paywall, patreon.com slash rtrpod. On Thursday as well, I put out one of the Thursday bulletin pods that I do with Phil every single week. So yeah, think of this as some sort of Black Friday dash Cyber Monday type thing where you get to listen to just a bit more content this week for free. Um, but if you do want to sign up in future, then please, you know, if you enjoy this, give it a go, give it a try. Um, but this week, yeah, so what this works much like the the you know the post match pods do. Aside for I record these before. Um, this week, I do have David Mooney on from the Blue Moon podcast, Man City fan. Um, so you know, I have a, I had a really good chat with him actually. Uh, it was only supposed to be about ten minutes or so, but we ended up nattering on for about half hour or so um so yeah good chat I had a really good chat with him about what it's like being a city fan coming from a position of being the you know the second club in a city seeing united win everything what it's like to batter them now to win everything does it get boring so on and so forth all the sort of questions we always toss around to console ourselves and we don't win stuff right um but yeah we have come so yeah that'll be coming up in a bit we have come through no win November though, um, and I'd say it's been a pretty miserable time. But I haven't felt that miserable. I've been frustrated. I've been annoyed at obviously I hate it when Spurs lose games, and I've been annoyed with the injuries, especially with the Bentancur one. But it's to that point, isn't it? It's the injuries. It's the lack of this being in our control that softens in a weird way for me anyway it's kind of softened the blow a bit I was talking to Windy and um to to lad called Ben um I want to say on Twitter the other day and we were talking about you know why there's been a drop-off in numbers I mean if you listen to this thank you very much it's been a drop-off in numbers um on the extra inch and and I was saying same here and rule the roost. And normally, historically speaking, when Spurs haven't been doing as well, I've tended to get more listeners, more people have come. Um, and I take that as a as a positive reflection that people aren't coming here to wallow in grief because I'm shouting about the board and all that type of thing. Um, and from you know a few of the messages I get from people here and there, they seem to kind of like the. The star, so whatever, you know, I'll stop self-aggrandizing now anyway, you are listening, so thank you. Um, <laughs> but we were talking, I was just saying that, you know, I'm not really listening to Spurs pods at the moment, not because I'm angry, not out of any principled position or anything like that. I'm not trying to make any sort of a statement. I just kind of feel like everything's in flux. We're in this total stasis where I don't really have much to feel. I don't think I've got much I need to 
processing someone. No, no, I do. There's definitely, there's always things to process, but I don't feel like there's much to learn really at the moment from pods and stuff. And that's ironic as I record this now. So, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's different. I'm just, I'm just talking about myself as a listener because Spurs are in this place where, you know, I can't, I can't really get, I think they're trying their best. And this is a throwback to Harry Kane's comments, isn't it? About losses not being a disaster at Tottenham and whatever. But I think the context of this is Spurs are doing really well. We're making positive changes. We've brought in this dynamic, brilliant manager. We're adding in a scouting and recruitment team. It seems to be that we're addressing all of these things. It feels like Charlie Eccleshire was talking about this on the View from the Lane podcast. He was saying he was speaking to some people from the City group. Um, or was, I can't remember who it was. Somebody maybe had worked with Postacoglu before. Yeah, another Citigroup kind of guy in Australia. And he was talking more about the fact that Spurs are clearly trying to copy this kind of Manchester City model of being well run, of, I don't know, whatever, winning stuff. And of course it helps that Man City have got the money that they do have. But the Spurs want to in some way emulate that. And I, I, I do feel positive about that. I was saying, you know, earlier on to to Charlotte, to Phil, to Con on on um, on what is it WhatsApp that I think I think there's every chance, and I honestly do believe this. I think there's every chance that and things would have to go our way. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do feel now, like I did when we had Pochettino in charge, that there's every chance that we could win the league with. Ange Postacoglu in charge. He's, you know, he, he's he got the, the, the sort of mentality that is infectious for players. He's got the sort of mentality that, you know, sees him want to try and win a league. He doesn't just want to, you know, do the best with the what he's got at his disposal. He sort of stated his ambitions, hasn't he? And he does this at pretty much every job he's at. He wants to aim for the very top. He wants to be the very best. And, you know, that is exciting. And I don't... We've seen already a glimmer of what Ange Postacoglu can do for us, what he can bring to this team, what he can bring to this club. We've seen it in before our very eyes at the start of the season. And at that point, you know, we'd had one transfer window. He spoke about that today in his press conference when he was asked... I, you know, just because of this injury crisis, does that add a greater urgency to you to to sign players? And he was like, look, I've had one transfer window here so far. I don't think anybody was expecting our business to be completely settled, injuries or not. So no, it doesn't, doesn't add any further urgency. We're still looking to actively recruit people. So we, it is worth remembering, you know, we are at the very infancy of this project of his tenure and already it's so exciting it's so brilliant it's far surpassed anybody's expectations and yes people will throw back to the fact that we're about to lose you know potentially lose four on the trot um with this city game at the weekend i'd almost judge the city game in isolation of the other three games i think the other three games are yeah probably symptomatic of the injury crisis Chelsea game was just absolutely freakish, wasn't it? And also symptomatic of the fact we've had some suspensions and the like. 
Um, but, you know, I... Manchester City is a, it's a different beast entirely. Look, if we were going there with our full strength first 11, I'd be buzzing about this right now. Like This would be a hell of a game. It would be such a great test to see where we're at and what have you, you know. Um, but alas, we're not there now. And maybe we'll get to see that at the, at the end of the season or maybe we'll get to see it next year, you know. And that's That's what we have to look forward to. We know there is a level that we... There's several levels, really, that we have to go up in this team. It's there. It's waiting for us. So we don't need to get too downbeat about it. And I'm not here to say, like, don't be at all affected or, you know, frustrated about the fact that we don't have all of our best players available to us because that is frustrating and it is annoying. But it's not the same as turning up and not trying to win. It's not the same as in a, what is it, Champions League quarterfinal? Against AC Milan, maybe it wasn't quite the quarter. Was it the quarterfinal? I can't remember. Maybe it was around a 16. Either way, turning up in the knockout stages of the Champions League against AC Milan when you're 1-0 down at home and bringing on more defenders. You know, that's just boring, dire football. And that's not what we've got. We're not, we're not playing badly. We're not, not performing for one another. You know, everything's there and he's still going for it. Like the way we played, the way we played against Villa was brilliant in the first half at least. And I've seen some people say, oh, is the bar set that low for us? I think maybe it is right now because we've have we've had years of just not enjoying watching Spurs. Barring the Champions League run, which I know that's a, that's a hell of a caveat, but barring the Champions League run, even Pochettino's last season at Spurs was hard you know it was hard work so now that we have this team that looks exciting we've got this manager who is trying and is successfully I think breathing belief breathing a sense of unity and identity back into this team back into the club back into the supporter base there's plenty of reason to be excited there's plenty of reason to be excited and it is annoying and it is frustrating and it is maybe tomorrow as it often is with Spurs but you know, it's the club, isn't it? It's what it is. Um, in terms of from Ange's press conference, he was pretty, you know, hazy about Rodrigo Bentancur's return. Um, expects it will be, you know, into next year, a couple of months at least, is what he said. Um, and he said that the the that Bentancur's remaining positive is determined to crack on and get back as quickly as possible. He was talking about the, you know, his spirit, obviously. Postcogli said he came to the club while Bentancur was out of this injury and was <laughs> laying down for Postacoglu. This is my roadmap. This is when I'm going to return. This is when I want to be back in the team. He was just talking about the guy's kind of attitude, his positivity and his determination to be back playing and playing for Spurs and doing his best for Spurs. You know, and you can imagine that's, that's music to somebody like Postacoglu. That's music to his ears to see one of his players coming and doing that, you know, coming back from his injury, keen, desperate to play. Um, the sad thing is that we are still going to have Pape Matassar out. Um, it's the classic Spurs, isn't it, of us not really having a clear idea. I think it's his hamstring, isn't it, that he's, he's feeling, um, but not really having a clear idea of when he is going to be back and available for us, which is a shame. I was hoping that he would be, you know, back in the team for this one. 
I'm guessing. I still don't think he goes with Hoybier, you know. It'll be Basuma straight back in. So I think it'll probably be the same team as last time, but Basuma for Bentancur, I'd guess, right? Bentancur, Bentancur, Basuma, Lacelso, and Deki, right? That's what you kind of that's what you gotta be thinking, isn't it? Um when he was asked if facing City with so many Spurs absentees puts a dampener on the occasion, he said, No, not really. It's always gonna be a challenge playing against City and any team that Pep manages. You love and relish that. That's the kind of arena you want to be in, measuring yourself against the very best. That's some alpha that's some alpha chat in it there from Ange. Um he said you either be a club that tries to knock off the big clubs or you are a big club. You are one or the other. My hope and ambition for this club is to make it a big club. All right, Ange, I thought, you know, I think we were already a big club, mate. But I get what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> and he did have that. Uh, it, there's been that talk this week about introducing just another, another idea to make football better, apparently, was to add sin bins into football, which... I saw debunked already across to just the idea of it being kind of poo-pooed, if you like. Poo-poo. Um, which is, you know, th- th- that whole system will just be gamed. If there's a 10-minute sin bin, it's going to be the team who's got a player missing, knocking it about the back, faking injuries, wasting time. It's just these things are not compatible with football at all. They're not compatible. Um my brother-in-law, who's not into football, was trying to get a measure on VAR. You know, he's kind of wondering, why is everyone so pissy with VAR? Why are you all so annoyed about it? And I was just making the point to him. It's because, you know, it's not compatible with football, really. Football is chaos. It's a free-flowing, fast-paced, quick game that... Is one of the most lowest scoring games, probably the lowest scoring game of any sport. So the goals carry with them such an emotional weight, such a importance, such a gravitas, that to strip them of that emotional trigger that you get, it's just it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. This this the amount of delays, everything. It just doesn't work. And people keep saying, well, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. I'm not calling him out, but Paul O'Keefe was kind of reconciling it, saying, like, look, there's no point getting pissed off about it. It's like, I disagree with that inherently. You know, if we are pissed off about something, you need to make your voice be heard. You know, I I don't, I'm not fully there yet that we can't make a change to this. And I I don't know what it will take. I don't know if, if it takes a groundswell of fan groups, fan associations or whatever petitioning this, but... We just, I just don't think it works with football. I don't think it works with football. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, huge game against Manchester City. I'll do some more facts in a bit, but for now, I'm going to hand you over to David Mooney. Well, we have a, yeah, we have a really good chat about Manchester City, his thoughts about Spurs, and the game coming up. Enjoy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, David. Welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. It's 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 funny having you here for once, as opposed to me being on Blue Moon. How are you <laughs> the doing? other way around. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. A bit cold, but I'm good. It is a bit cold, isn't it? It is a bit cold. Um, look, let's 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 start with one. I'm go- I'm going to ask you about Spurs first of all. Isn't okay. that novel? What, what? <laughs> on a Spurs podcast? Yeah. What, is this? <laughs> what have you made of us, mate? What have you made of Ange Postecoglou? The excitement around him, the football we've been playing. All of it. Uh, well, we've we've had this discussion before, I know, uh, over on Blue Moon, so I don't know how well-versed your listeners are in this, but um, growing up a City fan in the 90s and noughties, um, and I appreciate this is 100% a one-way street here, <laughs> um, we are taught to absolutely despise Spurs. Um, I think it comes back to like all of our parents remembering the 81 Cup final and the replay and the whole Ricky Villa goal and all that sort of stuff. Um, but for me, it all stemmed back to uh, there was an FA Cup tie at Main Road where we, we genuinely thought our name was on the trophy that year. We were playing some good football and like we were progressing through the rounds. I think it was a quarter final. Um, and it ended, uh, I think you beat us 5-2, and there was that pitch invasion, police horses all over the pitch, and all that sort of I, stuff. I've, I've got a mate who was at this one, said it was like one of the hairiest experiences yeah. of his life at a game. And so like Spurs ruined that for us, um, and then yeah, sure, we had the John Macken 4-3 comeback, but that is the only win in about 20 years in that, in that spell. Um, and so it always used to be a case of, oh, it's bloody Spurs. I hate Spurs. And they always they always do this to us. I hate them. So I understand if Spurs fans have absolutely no kind of ill feelings towards City <laughs> from that period. But we despised you. And um, it was first Pochettino and now Postacoglu. Um, I hate them both for actually making me like the football that you're playing and making it enjoyable and good fun. And like, I, I, I think... When you when you look at the start of this season, I mean, don't get me wrong, I am I suffer from PTSD of the Spurs games of the last of recent years. I mean, the the Champions League exit was bad, um, but that was that's only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to some of the some of the stuff that's happened. I mean, the the nineteen twenty season, City were not good at all. Um, they were uh, ironically they for the year that that kind of encompassed the pandemic. City were, I believe, the most socially distant second place team there's ever been. Um, <laughs> so far off the top that they that they were yeah. not in contention, but uh, so far from third that they were just safely in second for so long. Um, but that season. Uh, I, I counted it up recently. Your expected goals for the uh, home game at the Etihad was 0.07, and you scored twice. And uh, for the game at uh, the new White Hart Lane, um, 
it was something like 0.16 and you scored and you scored uh, twice I think it was and did us 2-0 and we missed two open goals and a penalty and like, like there's so many things that go wrong in City and Spurs games for City um, and yet Postacoglu's come in and I'm going this lot are quite good I quite enjoy watching them I'll tune in for them when they're on a when they're on a TV kickoff and like it's it, it's quite exciting um, and I, I think it's I think it's a refreshing I think the manager's been refreshing in, in his in his attitude and approach to games, um, and he's dealing with with interviews in the press. So obviously we don't see a lot of uh, kind of the day to day stuff, but what we do see is the press conferences and uh, the post match interviews. And he's just kind of honest, and um, he has his opinions. He will give his opinions. He's respectful, and I I kind of like that. Um, I kind of like the fact that he calls everyone mate and. I mean, it's just an Aussie thing, I know, but I, I like the fact that he's that he's really pally with them. And if there's a question in the press conference that he doesn't that he doesn't go for, um, then he isn't. Uh, and I mean, there's some managers who can be absolute dicks to to journalists in those situations. He doesn't do that. He just kind of says, "Well, that's a silly question, and let's like here's here's what I think. Let's move on." And like you, the way that the style that Spurs have been playing so far this season, combined with all of that kind of removal of the off the pitch kind of Mourinho Conte baggage I just I just think you've been fun to watch and in many ways I am actually like I still think you can win this game given the history of what happens between City and Spurs but I do I am really pleased that I am not facing or I as if I'm playing <laughs> um that City are not facing um a full strength Spurs side because you have played with absolutely no fear this season and it has paid off massively. So it's it, it that you've been really good and entertaining to watch. And um, I, I hate myself for thinking that. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you buy in to the idea of club DNA of, you know, a, a historical trauma in a footballing sense with this stuff? Because it does seem so bizarre that Manchester City, to this day, you know, all conquering Manchester City now, still have this bogey team in Tottenham. Yeah. Because even to this day, we still, more often than not, manage to get one over you, which is yeah. I mean, did it last so season. bizarre. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think, so I, I think it's, it's, it is weird because, like, there is, there is no part of my life that I believe in anything supernatural. So, like, ghosts do not exist. Like, there's there's no such thing as magic. There's no kind of, uh, you know, believe yourself better, that sort of What thing. about the magic of the uh, FA Cup, David? Well, yeah, no, I'm not having it. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> FA, the FA Cup is won by one of the top teams every year. There's no magic in it whatsoever. Um, and yet, I can't explain it. Because, like, so when it comes to, to, to City and Spurs... City have in in the time that that Spurs have been a, a a bogey team. City have changed stadium, changed managers countless times, changed owners, changed chairman, changed players. They've changed absolutely everything, and yet it's still like they still can't get a regular uh, one up over 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 Spurs. The only time really was when was that kind of Mancini uh, late Mancini early Pellegrini period. Um, where we won at the lane five uh, one a couple of times, and you kind of coming out was of that, that the Jeco game, wasn't yeah, it? The, the yeah, the Jeco game, and then like the year, the, the couple of years after the Pellegrini one. Um, I mean, we won five one, but I think you had uh, I can't remember who it was, but you had somebody sent off at one one, 
and or or one nil, and it just absolutely killed you in that game. Otherwise, it, it, Tim Sherwood was manager. You were you were actually a little bit more competitive than than the scoreline suggested. But it, there was the um, that period. Like you're kind of thinking, this is it. We're coming out of the dungeon. We're uh, you know we've we've been freed here from this Spurs grasp, and then all of a sudden, um, like the the Guardiola era arrives, and you're thinking, well, they're, they're playing the best football they've ever played. This this should, should be a walk in the park against most teams, but no, you know, five attempts at, at, at um, the Spurs stadium never scored. It's like, like how does how does that work? Um, even, so, I think you've had a couple of penalties in that time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Sterling's missed one. Um, Aguero, Aguero missed one. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's. I mean, that was in the heyday of City having penalty trauma anyway. Um, but I mean, it, it's just that was the period where City would get a spot kick and it'd just literally be all of, all of me and my mates would be right who's missing this one um, <laughs> because we went through a spell of just not being able to put it in the net from the penalty spot for some reason um, so so yeah that, like not none of that hoodoo should exist because there's no rational and reasonable explanation for it but then at the same time I can kind of understand why superstitions and stuff like that exist because um, I I, I while I'm not superstitious, I do get into the. I, I do understand the mindset of if, like, if you genuinely believe that the order in which you put your socks on is going to make you play better or worse, mm. then if you if you break that routine, do you then play worse because you're thinking of the like the actual psychological effect is like you're self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, right. yeah, you're constantly thinking of the, of the thing you've done wrong, so that's going to affect your um, ability to play. And so, like, I, I do wonder if, over the last few years, like, if the hoodoo doesn't exist, but the fact that Spurs keep getting results and the fact that City keep playing badly in these games, no matter what Guardiola tries and no matter what Mourinho, Conte, and, you know, we'll find out what Postacoglu does. I, I wonder if, if, if it kind of gets in the players' heads where they're like, well, we know this is going to be a tough game because it always is. No matter what we try, it is always a tough game. We always We always struggle. And that kind of ultimately just builds into the narrative. Um, we had it with Arsenal for years where we'd go to the Emirates and, and just never win, um, even after the takeover. And all it took was was a couple of good wins there to, to, to break that. And then Arsenal fell into that spiral. So, I mean, I, I don't see that from Postacoglu Spurs because I think he's, I, I mean... He's an annoyingly positive man who I think can. Uh, I mean, I, we 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 definitely come from from two different sides of the street. So I'm I'm in the in the side of the street where the sun is not shining and uh, curtains remain closed, the lights stay on, and the frost stays on the car. Uh, whereas Postacoglu opens his front door and all the all the front is defrosted and his car doesn't need de icing and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so uh, we like that. I think that attitude will go a long way in helping Spurs, um, and that just that just fills me with dread knowing what what the history between these two clubs is and like City could win home and away against Spurs this season but I will not feel any more confident next season going into these games one thing I've I've, I've often I've often referenced you um, on my pod you'll, you'll be interested now or positively don't worry mate <laughs> I hope so um, <laughs> what have I said now <laughs> But when we're talking about Spurs, we're talking about Spurs and our mad pursuit for glory. You know, it's been a long time since we last won something, which was a League Cup. I mean, it's the 90s now, 91 since we won the FA Cup as a last, something close to a significant trophy. You know, we're talking about the 60s if you want to go back to when we've won the league. And we've we've flirted with the big stuff the past few years, right? We've, we've had under Pochettino legitimate title races. We've gotten to a Champions League final. 
Spurs have taken a bit of a step up, a step closer to the holy grail, if you like, um, of something massive coming our way, but not managed to quite get it over the line. And it's often led people to sort of question what it is like actually seeing that happen. You know, I often, I often kind of say in a pithy sense, like on Twitter, joking about the fact that, you know, I, I just can't understand how there's any Man City fans still standing after the fact, you know, after that Aguero moment, beating United on the last day of the season in that fashion. Like if, we, if we'd done that to Arsenal, if it was Harry Kane, you know, I, I'm, I honestly think I would have just dropped dead in the stand. Like I don't, mm. I don't know how, how you go over that. But obviously now, you, because winning is becoming so, I guess, normalised at City, right? Um, and maybe for someone, you know, you're a similar age to me, Dave, so I think, you know, you probably remember when City weren't the team that they are now. Oh boy, right? do I remember. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> so I, I can imagine that, no, I, I don't. I want to ask you what what is it like. I mean, are you in any way, shape, or form? Does does it become less exciting now? Football. You've just won a treble last year. Yeah. How how do you go again, if you like, as a fan? This is as, as a fan. Um, I think I, I I think we're all guilty of this, and um, and I, I think if if it had been the other way around, and and I was asking you this for Spurs, and Spurs had done what City have done. Um, I think you'd actually find it quite easy to go again because I think what you, I, I think what we do as football supporters is not enjoy the good times as much as we should, um, and I think it's ultimately because there is a relentless stream of football. Um, I, I mean, it was, it was what six weeks after um, the 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 Champions League final in Istanbul that that City were were back in pre-season, possibly. Mm. I mean, possibly even playing the first game of the season. I don't know what I don't know how the, the timelines match up, but it was the Champions League final was June, and then you know you got a month and a half, and you you you're at August, and the the season's kicking off with the Community Shield, and so you kind of you're already like the, the Rodri scored, you've celebrated that that night, and then the next morning you're waking up thinking, well, we've got to get the squad ready for for the next season, yeah. and you're kind of always looking forward and I think we spend not enough time looking at what has just happened um, and Guardiola actually weirdly talked about this um, earlier in the season because he was he was at, he, he was constantly asked how do, you, how do you make the players go again um, and he kept saying things like we have to we have to we have to remember what we've done we have to enjoy what we've done um, and then kind of a couple of months later he was like well maybe that's been one of the reasons why this season hasn't really got going yet and we haven't really kind of kicked into form which I mean, as an aside, I don't think he's true. I think City have been fine this season. Um, but there's there's this, almost this element of um, you just kind of dust yourself down and go again. And I remember, I remember when Aguero scored that goal in in 2012. I remember almost ruining it for myself because I was doing a, a, a City radio show at the time. And so like, I enjoyed the goal. I watched the game happen and I celebrated at full time. And then immediately I'm thinking, I've got to produce the show tonight now. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's, it, it's Monday morning and I've done the show and I've done uh, everything else. And you just kind of go, well, that was good, wasn't it? Okay. Hope we, hope we defend the title next season. And you kind of kick the can down the road of the enjoyment, and before you know it, you've you, you've you're ten years on, and you've you've kind of you, you've not really had everything out of that moment you can. And I I wonder how much of it is is possible to relive in retrospect. So you, you hear people, and I don't know if this is just me and and my disposition on life, um, but you hear people talk about how they they watch the goal back or they watch 
you know, for any club, they watch the moment back, whether mm. it's the goal that secured promotion or the FA Cup winning goal or whatever it is, the, the moment from their childhood that or, or they're growing up as a fan that they identify with as their best moment as a fan. And they say, I, I watched it back and I still got goosebumps or I was worried he was going to miss. And I was like, and, and I watched Aguero's goal back. And every time I'm like, well, I know he scores. So yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm, I, like, I'm not feeling the jeopardy anymore. Um, and I, I think I, I think it's a case of having to learn to live in the moment because after the moment's gone, you can't, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I can get it back anyway. Um, and that kind of that came to a head with uh, the treble last season with um, the FA Cup final and the reason it did so uh, sorry to get all heavy on you right now but um, last season my my mum was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer um, sorry in, for that, mate. Uh, about the February time it's, it's fine she, she had the operation she had an operation um, she had she caught it really really early um, she had an operation and uh, she is uh, fine now. It's, I, I don't know what I don't know what the technical term is, but it's not in remission. It's not like it's not cured, but like she's the outlook is like as normal. Um, and the first game she so I, I always go to the to the uh, football with my parents and uh, I sit next to mum. My dad sits next to her, and we just watch the game. And so from it, the first game that she didn't go to uh, because of a treatment was uh, the Arsenal home game. And she didn't go to another game after that up until the FA Cup final. And we went down on the Friday um, because it was a whole case of we'll take the journey really slow and we'll you know we'll we'll have as many stops as we need to do. Uh, we'd left the hotel really early because um, she can't walk as quickly as she used to walk, and it was like everything was geared up to getting her into the stadium. And I was a little bit worried that it was um, that it was too early for her. And then 13 seconds in, when Gundogan volleys the ball into the net. Like that was the very first thing I saw. So um, I was again sat next to mum. Mum sat next to dad. Um, sounds like a superstition after what I've just said, but it's not. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm I'm sat there. Like, are you okay? Are you comfortable? Is everything all right? And then the game kicks off. And then the moment I look away from her and look up is the moment that Gundogan connects with the ball and volleys it past De Gea. And like that, at that point that's when I realised about how important it was to live in that very moment. And I've never, like, I, I, I can now relate to that moment in many ways much more personally than I can to the Aguero game and the Aguero goal. And kind of going again after that actually became hard this season. It kind of, like, like the, the, the idea of just being able to dust yourself down and go, okay, well, I hope we do it all again this season has been a little bit more relaxed this year and a little bit more sort of like, yeah, whatever happens, happens fine. It's, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying good football. I don't really care this season what whether whether things go well or not. Now, that's a lie. I really hope City win everything again. <laughs> but you can kind of rationalise the, the fear that they won't in the knowledge that you've experienced the good times. And um, I, I say this knowing the context of what Spurs have been through um, in terms of kind of actual major trophies and success. I feel um, I feel incredibly grateful as a football fan to be in the position that I'm in because I have seen City at their worst and I've seen them at their best. Now, obviously, there's there's the whole context of you know 115 charges and all that sort of stuff to come. Um, and we see what happens with that. But like the thing is that genuinely City fans of my age 
I I don't think are that concerned about the idea that like like uh, there'll be a lot of younger fans who will who might balk at this and a lot of opposition fans who might balk at this but the idea that the premier league could go um okay well city you've cheated get out of the league back to down down to down to league two with you there's there's a lot of people in my generation who would be like yeah fine all right okay we, we go again we this will be a laugh next. yeah yeah we, like maybe, maybe not this will be a laugh but yeah. like, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll we go again we just we, we we see what happens and you know we we carry on from there we we, we go again so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of how, how that narrative affects things because i think i think the younger fans maybe don't have that that ease of, of being able to slip in and out and i and i say this all the time in terms of of my favorite city goal um isn't scored by somebody who who arrived post takeover um my still still my all-time favorite city goal is a goal by mark kennedy uh in a 4-1 win over blackburn on the final day of the 99-2000 season because that made it 3-1 and it was the moment i knew we were going up and that like that as a, a for me as a 13 14 year old football fan that was the pinnacle and it it doesn't matter that aguero scored a title winning goal in the last minute to to beat united sort of thing um, i mean it does but like i was going to say yeah i'm yeah, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it, it matters a bit doesn't it yeah <laughs> emotionally i've never been as high as i was when mark kennedy scored and it sounds absolutely baffling but it it, it just it, it's that thing that football does where it, it pays into the emotions of how you yeah. are at the time rather than uh, what the team has actually achieved with that moment, if that makes sense. I, I, I can imagine as well, you can't really ever tire of getting one over United all the time. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean... I, I figure if we were doing what you're doing to them to Arsenal... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you never get tired of it. I mean, again, Solskjaer, Solskjaer, at the same time as Spurs started to, to beat City regularly again, Solskjaer started winning all the time. And I was like, I don't understand it because he's clearly an idiot. He's clearly not a good manager. And yet, you know, loses to absolutely everybody in the team, comes to the Etihad and puts on a fine 2 0 victory. I, like, it doesn't make sense. But um, yeah, if you, if you ever get the opportunity to consistently humiliate your rivals, um, absolutely go for it. Because the, the, one, of the, one of the funniest things that I've seen in football in recent years is the switch from. So, all the people that I went to school with that were United fans who used to say things like. Um, well, I don't know why you don't just give a manager time um, and now consistently, well, we need to sack this manager. We need yeah. to sack this one. This one doesn't know. And it's like, maybe the reason all those years you were saying you should just give a manager time is because you had the greatest manager ever at that point. <laughs> maybe that's the reason, you know? Helps, doesn't um, it? Helps, yeah, yeah. You can't... You, you can't, had a complete stranglehold uh, over the media over and the, the FA yeah. and everything as well, right? Yeah, and could spend more than anybody else could spend at the time as well. It's funny that you were successful, really, isn't it? Um, and then like the, the other one is uh, the number of United fans now who say, well, it's just, it, it, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. It's like, oh, because you're not winning. Yeah, I see, I see how it is because you can't just go into work the next day and take the piss out of everybody else because you've won again. Funny that. It's like the old, the, so. you know, the David Brent, go and get the guitar, the, go and get the Norwich scarves, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly so, that. I say to United. No, I'm conscious of taking too much more of your time, Davis, but I do just want to talk very quickly about the game this weekend that is going to be taking place. Spurs obviously have their litany of injury problems. Yeah. I doubt that will still be allaying any of your fears that we're going to show up and do a <laughs> Spurs doesn't... versus City madness. So I did just want to ask you very quickly, what 
what's happening to City this year in terms of in, in your big games? Because you've you yeah. kind of let it slip to Liverpool. You've lost to Arsenal. I think you draw with United as well. Uh, beat United, drew with Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. Drew with Chelsea, that's the one. That's what I was thinking of. Well prepared ahead of this show, as you can tell. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what's, what's kind of going on in the big games? Is this part of the going again type issue? No. Um, I think it's actually uh, a change in style more than anything else. So, um, okay, let's let's go back to the start. So when Guardiola arrived in in 2016, um, City, in terms of what they what they did, Pellegrini didn't leave City in a brilliant state. They weren't they weren't really well set up to control games. They were they were set up to have basically like United are these days. Really, they they would have a lot of the ball, maybe not have many ideas of what to do with it but would win games through moments of individual brilliance from individual players and that can only get you so far and it's the reason why in that that year that I'm sure all Spurs fans remember quite unfondly um, when Leicester won the title um, the, the the reason why that year we finished level on points with United ahead of them only on goal difference in fourth and had to qualify for the Champions League uh, in the in the qualification rounds the next year because there was just no team identity. And Guardiola came in in his first year and, and set about sort of building that. And it all, like it, the first era of Guardiola was really fast swashbuckling football. After that, when he lost uh, Sane, when he he wasn't getting the same out of Sterling and, and Aguero was starting to, to, to suffer to his injuries, it became the false nine era. And the false nine era all became about controlling games instead. And instead of going out there and sticking seven past Stoke and eight past Watford or whatever, the point of, of the game would be, yeah, sure, it will be a really, really tight game, but the opposition are going to have absolutely... They might have one chance and one chance only. And if they're going to win, they have to take it and we have to miss all of ours. And that's how it's going to be. And so like over the last few years, I, I, I actually understand why neutrals go. City are quite boring to watch because... The point of what Guardiola is doing is trying to make the game as stable and as boring as possible. And what that means is, like, it's not boring for City fans because we sit there and we watch us pass the ball and, and move it around in ways that you didn't think were possible to move it around. But the entire point is that the opposition don't have the ball and they're kind of, they get shattered from being dragged from pillar to post and then suddenly somebody has a lapse and City score and they might win 2-0 or 3-0 or 3-1. And, like, the scores generally get a lot, get a lot tighter. But... City win the game. They're much more likely to win the game because they have all the ball. They the opposition can't get out in their own half. And there was a there was a theory about eighteen months ago with with City that what Guardiola wanted to do was he he didn't care if City didn't fashion a chance in the first fifteen or twenty minutes as long as the pattern of the game was set. And that was you don't leave your half. We pin you back, and that's it. Because the the, the uh, the change that has in mentality for the game means that it, it almost feels inevitable that City will go on and, and, and score. And that was that that kind of culminated in last season's uh, style being that John Stones would step into midfield or Rico Lewis from right back or occasionally a Kanji from, from centre back. Um, and that was where the overload would come. So the false nine era, it was really easy. They didn't have a striker. They could just drop the, whoever was, was playing the false nine into midfield and they would outnumber whoever was there and that's how they would control the game. Suddenly you can't... So, so when when you're controlling games that well, you sign Erling Haaland, who by the looks of it is the greatest striker who has ever lived. 
people from the outside go, well, you just drop him into the team and everything will work wonderfully. Whereas actually you just drop him into the team, you lose an element of the control because you don't outnumber the opposition in the middle anymore. And so all of last season was built towards trying to work out how to do that. And the solution was get John Stones to step out of defence and, and, and move into the midfield when City had the ball. And it, it, it looked really, really revolutionary until you realise that that's actually what Guardiola was doing in his first season at City. Mm. with, uh, But he was doing it with Bakary Sanya, Pablo Zabaleta and, uh, and uh, Gael Clichy. And, you know, it, it doesn't quite work as well with the players that are not quite as, as strong on the ball. So it's just old ideas recycled from Guardiola and, and kind of repackaged in a new way. But this season, the change has been that the number of players City have that are... In effect, the word that we use in, in city circles is pauser, which me which ultimately means knowing when to hold the ball and when to play it at the right time um, in order to maximise the, the chances of, of creating a chance sort of thing. The number of players who understand when to play it has, has dropped significantly. They've lost Mares, they've lost Gundogan, they've lost the players that, that were key to that sort of style. Um, and who they've brought in, in Kovacic and Nunes and, and, and players of that ilk, are players that are much more suited to getting the ball in deep areas and carrying it forward. And so we all, at the start of the season, we all looked at this and went, well, maybe that's maybe that's where City are going this season. But in all of those big games, so it, United aside, because, I mean, they're, they're just shit. But United <laughs> United aside, so Chelsea, um, as, as, as baffling as they've been this season, there is a good team in there. Yeah. Um, Liverpool especially uh, have always been able to do this against City and Arsenal recently. The game's been much more transitional than, than Guardiola would want and that's when City don't excel very well. And that's why, in, in one massive roundabout point, I'm worried about Spurs and I am in many ways pleased that we're not spe- not facing a, a full-strength Spurs side because the transitions are where you lot have been absolutely stellar this season. And... Teams that that are able to transition, Leipzig were able to transition against City in in midweek, and yeah, sure they lost the game, but they lost the game by City working out how to then control it in the second half. City were awful for an hour in that game, um, and how they 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 burgled a three two win in it. Um, the the control that City have been able to to exert on games this season has not been the same. And they weren't able to do it at, at Stamford Bridge. Uh, they were only able to do it in spells against Liverpool. And yeah, they did it somewhat okay against against Arsenal. But not having Rodri in that game was a real kicker because he's the he's the he's the linchpin to yeah. this style. And in trying to do something without it, I think Guardiola got a little bit more conservative. And in getting conservative, he kind of left the back door open. Um, and we we were susceptible to. You know, a, a random shot from the edge of the box that's not going anywhere near the goal, smashing Nathan Ake in the face and 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 going in at the near post. So, like the Arsenal one is unlucky. I think the other two uh, were a little bit of a concern when it comes to controlling games and the transitions. I think Guardiola said recently, if you're going to play on the transition, you have to take your chances. And um, City have not taken their well. They took their chances against Chelsea, but so did Chelsea. Um, and they didn't take their chances against Liverpool, and then it, it, it came back to bite them. So I, I think it's a change in style more than more than complacency. Although that being said, Guardiola put the first sixty minutes in Leipzig down to complacency. So uh, who, who who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm just talking absolute wham. Do you uh, you've got to back him to crack it though, right? By the end yeah, of the season, yeah. he, he he's shown it so many times, hasn't he? 
now. Yeah, I, I I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what the solution will be, but there will be a solution. And if there isn't one, um, then you can kind of see what he's trying. Um, the the only season, the, the only season uh, where things didn't work out properly for Guardiola was that nineteen twenty season, and you could see the thought process all the way along. So um, it, it started ultimately. The, the problem with that season, I think, ultimately was um, City didn't know that Vincent Company was going to leave. And so when he left, they hadn't planned for um, getting in the centre-back. They tried to get Harry Maguire. Um, they wouldn't pay what Leicester were asking. And United came along and offered 20 million more than what Leicester <laughs> were asking. So like he, he went there instead, fine. Um, so in, in kind of coming up with a solution for that, he lost Fernandinho in the middle and a lot of pressure was put on Rodri. And things just didn't really kind of work. Rodri needed help, so he then put Gundogan in as a as a double pivot, and then like it, it meant that games were just kind of a bit hammy and a bit kind of uh, clammed up and mudged up, and it, ultimately it, it, we ended up with a season where the opposition could defend really well and City couldn't really take many chances. And that by the by the Christmas of the next season, like the setup and the style was still pretty much the same. Um, but he'd worked it out, and City went on a twenty odd game winning streak. So, like, even if it if, if it doesn't come this season, the solution, then I'd be fairly confident that whatever solution you're going to get to, kind of, is there by the middle of next season. And how are you going to hurt us on the weekend, mate? Is Docker, I mean, I've been astounded by Docker. He seems absolutely brilliant. Is he going to terrorise yeah. us? He's he's an interesting one, Doku, because um, so the Liverpool game at weekend, half the City fan base went, uh, well, he was clearly man of the match. Look at how good he was. Look at all this stuff he created. And then the other half, which I was in, actually, uh, was like, I think he needs to do a bit more, you know. I think he needs to uh, hold them, certainly hold on to the ball a lot more. So these are the exacting standards you can have now, mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I've come to the conclusion that it's all down to what you, whether you think he's played well or not, all comes down to what you want from a game of football. Do you want it exciting and do you want it unpredictable and do you want it risky uh, or do you want it safe and controlled and with a better chance to win? And I'm, I'm very much in that second half of the uh, of, of the camp, and uh, all the people that said he was man of the match in the first half. And listen, it's a perfectly valid thing to think because like football is supposed to be exciting, and you want chances to be created, and you want your, your winger to take on his man, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, fine, crack on. Um, he he will probably play, I think, um, largely because Grealish started in midweek, and um, if if you're suffering defensive woes, I think Guardiola will will want the player that is currently causing the fear of God into, into teams. We'll still play openly. That's yeah. The um, and the thing is, the, the thing with that is that like playing playing in an open style for Spurs this weekend, like if Guardiola knows that's going to happen, it could weirdly lead him towards Grealish um, because Grealish is a lot better in possession and a lot better at uh, holding the ball. Again, that Pouser thing, knowing when to play and when not to play. So if he knows that Spurs are going to try and push for an open game, in order to stop it being an open game and in order to stop it being an end-to-end basketball game, he might actually go with the players that are better suited in possession and keeping the ball and, and trying to pin you back for a bit. Um, but what do I know? He, he could look at Doku and go, well, he creates 10 chances a game. Get him on the get him on the pitch because like, without him, we're not going to create the, the sorts of chances that we need to win the game. Um, so yeah, Doku is, is the... I, I think Doku is the only question mark for this game. Um over whether he picks him or Grealish, or whether he he, he actually picks them both. Um, 
and and puts Doku out on the right hand side because he can play on 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 either on either flank. I think he's slightly more effective from the left, um, but he, he he certainly can do the right hand side. Uh, the rest of the team sort of picks itself, and I like I I know you've got injury woes, so I'm not expecting any violins to come out here. Um, but I don't think uh, I don't think City have got many options to change it around them than the team that you've been seeing lately. Um, the other question might be uh, Guardiola or, or Ake at left back, um, but again, the gut instinct could be that Diaz gets dropped because he's had a he's had a couple of bad games, um, and so you put one of Guardiola and, and Ake in the centre and the other one at left back. So after that. The rest of the team sort of picks itself. Foden will be in there, Bernardo will be in there, um, Haaland, Alvarez will be in there. Um, yeah, the question marks are, are just literally Doku or, or, or Grealish. Score prediction, mate? It's a really tough one because, um, like my head says, listen, Spurs are that they are the walking wounded right now and like if you're if you're not going to beat Spurs in this sense then you're never going to beat them you may as well give up um but at the same time the weight of history tells me um like whatever adversity Spurs are facing the perfect tonic is Manchester City coming to town so um I I, I don't know I I think it'll be a lot tighter than I think uh, you think it'll be um I'm gonna say I think you'll score because we have a we have a habit of um winning the xg um, still winning the game maybe but certainly winning the XG and conceding when we probably shouldn't um, and yet still have one of the best defensive records in the league it's really odd um, but I, I think you'll score I'm going to say 3-1 City um, but through very gritted teeth and a bit tongue and the uh, on on the pinky promise from all of your listeners that uh, if I am wrong you don't think I'm an idiot because I have I have prefaced it with all this fear about a fear of God of what you'll do to us <laughs> oh, well uh, I, I, I hope you're right mate but I hope you can still <laughs> manage to catch up with Arsenal and stop them from winning the league so, I'd, honestly you know. I'd, I, I I wouldn't worry about Arsenal this season I think I, I my my feeling for the for the league this season is one off city or Liverpool. And then Arsenal third. So, I mean, Liverpool, um, Liverpool are insufferable, but it's another level for you know. Just as a Spurs fan, seeing Arsenal do it would be, you know, no, I mean, pile, weirdly, pile. weirdly, you say this, and like you say, you've not won the league since the sixties and, and all that sort of stuff. And and like last season, I remember, I remember getting to kind of Christmas time and feeling like, um, well, it's if if it's not going to be City, I'd quite like it to be Arsenal because at least it's not Liverpool. And then by the time we got to uh, the middle of March, I was like, I hope it's not Arsenal. Anybody but Arsenal. Christ <laughs> on a bike. Just insufferable. Man. And then I was like, well, maybe it's just anybody. Because at this point in the season, I'm thinking, listen, I know I know Spurs are probably, with their injuries and stuff, are probably falling away. But I was uh, earlier in the season, I was kind of like, listen, if it's not going to be City, I'd quite like it to be Spurs because it's somebody new and it's a team that... that are playing good football. I like the manager so far, and like genuinely, other than the fact that you beat us for twenty every game for twenty years, like genuinely, like like an inoffensive team to us. We're not like we're we're, we're not we, we we shouldn't be massive rivals, even though like from a City fan, fans' point of view, we do we do see it that way. Um, so I kind of quite like it to be Spurs. So I do so wonder that, if, that's if, just, if, it, if it, that's just veering into being a bit patronising now. Yeah, I know, I know. But it, like, if it, if it got to the, the point, yeah. but no, if it, if it got to the point where you were still leading the league by by yeah. uh, by a distance in March and it was City in second, chasing, I'd be. Like, I, I wondered if it had tipped to the point of going, God, this lot are insane. Yeah, oh, I'm sure and, it like, would be. anybody but them. You, you see me on Twitter when we're having a good run of, run of form, you know, like it's. Uh, oh God, that day! If that day ever comes in my lifetime and I'm still on Twitter, oh my God, I'm gonna be. 
the worst yeah. person ever. But yeah. um, so so no, my my point is that I think it's anybody who's challenging for the title. I think by March becomes insufferable. So it's not. Uh, I I don't think it's uh, it's it's a it's a case. I I think it's a case of I just want City to win the league, and that's it. That's fair enough. Thanks very much for joining us today, Dave. Have a, Any time, mate. Enjoy it. Have a bad weekend, but you know, good rest <laughs> of the season. Thanks for that, David. Um, I was on. The, I appeared on the Blue Moon podcast as well this week. I shared it on Twitter. Um, you can find it where you find your podcasts, and you know they put some pretty probing questions to me. I was asked to make a prediction for the game, and I, I did say it was probably. You know, it was a bit hyperbolic of me. I did say I thought we were going to lose about five nil. Um, because and I, I justify this by saying that means we're at least doing what Ange wants us to do we are going to go out we're going to take the game to them we're not going to sit back come on Ange Postacoglu will not allow us to sit back it doesn't matter who's starting for us it doesn't matter who's missing there's not a chance we will go into a game like this and sit back not against a manager like Pep um, he's just not going to do it it's not how he's built. And if we end up getting battered as a result of that, whatever, we'll call it a dress rehearsal for when we have our proper team available to us. As I was sort of saying before the before the interview, you know, it is a bit of a free hit. I don't consider this a four-game winning streak. I know it literally is a four-game losing streak if we do lose, but I do think it exists onto its own. If we had our full-strength team, it would still be a hell of a game, right, to go away and win at the Etihad. It doesn't matter whatever our hoodoo is over them. So, you know, it would have been a tough game either way. It's Manchester City, ultimately. Let's just uh, let's just see what we can do. Um, some team news going into this one. Manchester City midfielder Matija Kovacic has returned to training following injury, but Matias Nunes is likely to remain out. John Stones will be involved in the matchday squad and could make his first appearance since the 7th of November. Rodrigo Bentancur's long-term injury means that Tottenham are missing 10 players for this fixture. Yves Basuma is available following a ban, but Christian Romero serves the final game of a three-match suspension. Here's some head-to-head facts. Manchester City have lost just two of their past 13 Premier League home games against Tottenham. However, Tottenham have won five of the seven most recent league meetings having triumphed in just four of the previous 19. Spurs have defeated Manchester City six times in the Premier League since Pep Guardiola joined the club in 2016, the most of any team. I saw this earlier. Let me see. I'm gonna, I want to find out exactly what the... Where was it? Because I saw the Premier League put a graphic out earlier, didn't they? Yeah. No side has a better record against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City than Spurs. So we've beaten them six times. Chelsea and United have both beaten them five. We've got 20 points out of City. Liverpool have got 18. Man United have got 17. I mean, it really is it's quite bonkers, really, that we're up there. I mean, the United one's a bit of an outlier because that's a, that's a derby, that's a rivalry. So, you know, that's always going to go back and forwards. My point is that United are a bit shit, aren't they? But Liverpool, the fact that we're up there with kind of Chelsea and Liverpool, two teams who are Premier League winners, spend inordinate amounts of money constantly. It is a really, it's a, it's a strange, it's a funny, funny hoodoo we have over them. And, you know, obviously I've addressed that with, uh, with David during our chat. Um, 
Manchester City could go three consecutive league matches without a win for the first time since a run of four from March to April 2017. They have drawn their last two league fixtures despite going ahead in both. City haven't gone ahead in three games in a row and failed to win since November 2009 in draws against Burnley, Liverpool and Hull City. City are winless in four of their last seven Premier League games, having only failed to win four of the previous 26 matches. I mean, all of these are really like weirdly negative stats. They have failed to win back-to-back Premier League fixtures for a third time in 2023, as many instances as the previous three years combined, 2020 to 2022. The Blues have lost only one of their last 48 home games in all competitions, while they are unbeaten in 27. Erling Haaland netted his 50th Premier League goal in last week's 1-1 draw with Liverpool, doing so in 48 appearances, the fewest of any player. It's mad, isn't it, really? Because the thing about City is that one would sort of be tempted to say, oh, they're in a bit of a bad moment. They're not so good at the moment. You know, they're not doing so well. But they've still got a goal difference of 20. They're one point off the top of the table and they're apparently not playing that well. And Haaland's not playing that well. And I'm pretty sure he's still the Premier League's top scorer, right? Um, let's just double check that now. Yeah, he's got he's got 14 goals already this season. 14 goals and three assists. And, you know, people are kind of questioning his performance levels this year. They're questioning City's performance levels this year. It It, it is quite bonkers. It's quite bonkers. Um, Haaland has scored against 20 of the 21 sides he has faced in the Premier League with the exception of one game against Brentford. Manchester City are unbeaten in the last 42 competitive matches in which Rodri has played since a 1-0 de- Premier League defeat at Spurs in February 2023. I mean, Rodri is, he's so central. And David was making this point, wasn't he? He was so central to everything that they do. I mean, yeah, I know. Well done, Jack. Good player is good. Shocker. Tottenham have Tottenham have lost their last three Premier League matches, haven't been unbeaten in their previous 11. Yep, thanks a lot for that. The last Spurs manager to lose four in a row was David Pleat. Between March and April 2004. Now, David Pleat. Shibomba. Everyone remember when he used to call Pascal Chimbonda Shibomba? He always, I think he used to say lots of people's names wrong as well. Funny, wasn't it? He didn't pass away, did he, David Pleat? No, he didn't. He hasn't done. So, yeah, crisis averted. Fake news. Um... Tottenham are just the third team in the English top flight history to remain unbeaten in their opening 10 games of a season. They have three consecutive defeats. You'll never sing that. Emulating Huddersfield Town in 1924, Sheffield United in 1971. The Terriers won their 14th league fixture and went on to win the title. Alright. So you're saying there's a chance... Spurs' record of eight wins, two draws and three defeats is the same as they had after 13 Premier League matches of last season. That's mad. They lost 2-1 at home against Liverpool in their 14th Premier League fixture. 
They could lose four successive Premier League matches for the first time since a run of six from October to November 2004. Heady days. Tottenham scored the opening goal in all three defeats in their current losing streak. No Premier League team has ever scored first and lost four games in a row. You'll never sing that. Spurs have won four of their 31 Premier League away matches versus the reigning champions, with all four victories occurring in the last 10 seasons. Mate, we're fucking massive. We're quality. They have scored in 25 consecutive league games for the first time since a run of 26 from November 1986 to April 1987. That is mad. I mean, I find that so hard to believe, but there we go. Son Heung-min has scored seven Premier League goals against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Only Mo Salah, 11, and Jamie Vardy, 9, have scored more. Son has scored Premier League away goals against Leicester City, Chelsea and Liverpool when they had won the title in the previous campaign. No player has ever scored on the road against four different reigning champions. You'll never sing that. Spurs have conceded multiple goals in nine of the last ten Premier League fixtures without Christian Romero. It's because he's a big man, baby. Because he's a big man, child. But I forgive him. Just come back now. You know, come back. We need you. We need you. But yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be an interesting game. This is going to be a very difficult game. Um, I I think maybe my stance has softened somewhat um, since since a couple of days ago when I thought we were going to lose about 5-0 I, oh, I don't know like I say it was hyperbole I do think we're going to lose this game I hate to say and it's nice to see I, I see people are becoming suddenly quite hopeful about it well maybe you know if we take it to them we'll spring a surprise and we always get one over City and what have you I just think that the the fact remains that we don't really have the personnel right now and being Manchester City even if we were full strength would have taken something would have taken something very special indeed so I don't think it's any you know huge shame on us if we don't get this one over the line if we do lose if we do even get battered they're an absolutely unbelievable team they are treble winners they're managed by one of the best managers in history they have been assembled with the you know let's be honest (laughs) with the mineral wealth of a nation it's hard it's hard to beat teams like that on the best of days and we're going into this with, you know, maybe. I've, I've got to say one thing, one thing that the aggregators have been doing. They've picked up on this idea that um, Ange Postacoglu was somehow being shitty about Eric Dyer. He was asked a very direct question. Will, Manchester, will the aerial threat posed by Erling Haaland make you more likely to consider playing Eric Dyer? And he just said no. 
which is, you know, it's it's somewhat blunt, but it's more just, I think, and just not giving anything away. I don't think he's having a, a dig at Eric Dyer or anything like that. So this kind of like the gleeful reporting of it, I just find a bit bizarre, you know? We're, we're so short on personnel at the moment. I just think, you know, kind of dunking on the players like that is a bit is a bit weird. But whatever, you know, do what you want. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, look, it's going to be a tough game. I do think we're going to lose. But as I was saying at the top end, the future's bright. We do have every reason to be happy. We have every reason to be cheerful. There's a lot going our way. Um, just don't lose sight of that. Let's enjoy this. Um, I mean, we're not going to enjoy a 5-0 loss, are we? But let's just try our best to just enjoy, you know, having someone like Ange as our manager, having someone like Sonny as our captain, having a player like Vicario in goal, having somebody like Destiny Doggy playing for us, Pedro Porro playing for us. Eve Basuma may be back to his best. You know, who knows? Dejan Kulisevsky might score one of these opportunities that he's creating for himself. Brennan Johnson might have his big moment that he's been promising to have. Maybe this will be the Brian Hill redemption arc. You know, there's plenty of good things that can come from this game. There's plenty of good things that can come from this period of time while we are down to these kind of bare bones. And maybe there won't be, but that's football, isn't it? And that's the pact you've made, isn't it? Uh, isn't it a Faustian pact, isn't it? Isn't that what it's something about selling your soul, isn't it? Hmm, yeah. There you go. Deal with the devil. Well, it is, isn't it? Sort of, I guess. Um, football being... Is football the devil? What's the devil in this? Winning? The pride? The joy? Like I said to Rose, how good was it at the start of this season? When we were just winning all the time all the kind of videos going out of darts and celebrations and mad limbs all over the shop like let's get back to that that was good that was fun you know that was fun that exists somewhere right exists somewhere we can get that back just believe right just believe we'll get that back but I think that's just about enough for one day. So thank you very much for tuning in. Like I say, this has been a taste of one of the pods you can get on the Patreon. If you do enjoy it, patreon.com slash rtrpods. Be very grateful if you yeah, if you want to, if you want to support the show, whatever. If not, fine. Please just continue to share the pods, leave ratings, leave reviews, all the other good stuff, whatever. Great. Thank you very much. Much love. It is December. It's the countdown to Christmas. Got my Christmas tree today <laughs> already. It's quite nice, you know? It's good. It's a good time. It's very cold, but whatever. Put a blanket on. Where is this going? Come on, you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.